Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Monday Memo. Now today I'd like to talk about the two types of people in modern finance and accounting. There's one group of people who are frustrated with their jobs, they feel like they're going sideways in their careers. And then there are those who seem to have a dream job, enjoying the autonomy, control, influence and rewards that come from being involved in the most meaningful decisions because they know what career capital is and how to leverage it. So in this episode, I'll share a few thoughts on what career capital is and how we can all leverage it in finance to find and have that dream job and career path. So in essence, career capital are the skills, connections, beliefs and experiences you have that are both rare and valuable and can be used as leverage in defining your finance and accounting career. The way I like to think about it is I suppose you would call this the how, the who, the why and the what of your career. And without this uh, career capital, you'll never have that dream job or that career in accounting and finance that's marked by you know, creativity, impact, influence, control. And it's actually also possible to build your career capital even if you're just new to the profession uh, and figure out at the same time what direction that needs to go into. The main thinking here is that if you can build flexible career capital, it allows you then to try out and test many different sectors, areas within finance and accounting, organization types, countries. And that's what we've discussed in terms of uh, the guest mentors being on the show. Some, some of them would even describe their paths as a bit maybe wandering. However, it's allowed them to build the important skills and connections that have helped them have more successful and rewarding careers in the future. And the inspiration for most of the thoughts in today's Monday Memo actually come from a recent book I read, which was by Cal Newport. It's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And that's what his main premise was around career capital. It's actually becoming so good they can't ignore you. And it goes back to basic economic theory, which is what we should be familiar with in finance and accounting. Because basic economic theory tells us that if you want something that's both rare and valuable, that dream job, the one that you're going to be very happy with, gives you peace of mind, control, autonomy, no frustrations. You're also going to need something rare and valuable to offer in return. That's just the basic supply and demand conversation. So how do we get that great job by offering something of great value in return? Well, at the start of Cal Newport's book, he suggests we should adopt what's known as a craftsman mindset and not the passion mindset. And Newport says that one of the biggest fallacies being promoted in the career world, not just finance and accounting, is that our occupational happiness comes from finding a job that corresponds with a pre-existing passion. And these passions, what Newport would suggest, don't actually become four skills. They're actually often a roadblock. They're hard to get around uh, this idea of a pre-existing passion. And another problem with the passion mindset is that it leads people to approach their work asking, what can the world offer me? It's very disingenuous. It's very much a taking mindset. And that then results in people job hopping a lot, which is okay if you're doing it in a deliberate manner, but not if you're continuously looking, what can the world offer me? And another problem of focusing only on what your work offers you is that you become hyper aware of what you don't like about it. it leads to what's termed chronic unhappiness. And that's why a lot of people find the entry-level positions in accounting and finance a bit tough they find them unfulfilling because they're coming in with the passion mindset what they can get out of the career and it becomes very egocentric you ask questions who am i what do i truly love is this really who i am 
And you know, they're like existential questions. They're not the easiest to answer anyway. But because you're thinking in the passion mindset and what work offers, you're pretty much setting yourself up to be perpetually unhappy and confused. Whereas this craftsman mindset or craftsperson mindset is where you ask, what can I offer the world? And as some listeners might recall from prior episodes, we've discussed the idea of the value ladder for finance. And each rung of that ladder spells the word crafted. And that gives you indications on where you can add value and offer value to the world from accounting and finance. And that leads into the second point is knowing what's really valuable in your field. If you're having a hard time figuring out what skills will be important for the vision you have for your career, then why not identify perhaps two people in your field already or maybe past guest mentors we had in Strength in the Numbers, one who resonates with you strongly and one who perhaps doesn't and figure out the difference. What did uh, person A do that person B didn't? And that's why we bring on the guest mentors on the show, not so you can follow all their instructions and practical advice. No, it's it's just to give you comparison points without having to go and reach out to a mentor and develop a mentoring relationship it's brought to you one a great example that was shared on the show was of a shared services manager who was actually going to lose her job because of her team of being offshored and instead she chose to embrace a complex offshoring task lead that and then once that had happened not only she get a huge bonus but she actually became very much sought after and in demand for similar projects in the future that this topic is never going away in finance particularly with the cost focus we have on us and that's why she's able to to live the dream job and she's not having to work uh, monday to friday she can pretty much pick her own hours uh, and have great control over how she spends her time another point that comes out of the book is we should always be stretching ourselves and seeking feedback uh, and then once we figure out what type of expertise we want to go after in accounting and finance we just have to go after it. Never let ourselves plateau. As a lot of our guest mentors show, and we've actually had special episodes on this, we need to keep pushing ourselves outside our comfort zone. And Newport, the author, compares improving our knowledge and wisdom to the skills involved in the bodybuilding. If you approach the goal of being muscle-bound with the mindset, I never want my muscles to never ever burn or be strained, you're not really going to do well as a bodybuilder. But it's the same with learning. What areas are valuable at the moment in finance and accounting? What areas are valuable to our stakeholders? How can we go preserve, create and capture value for them? This involves coming out from behind our desk, challenging others, getting at what's valuable, learning new tools, whether it's like data visualization or SQL or, or keeping up to date with machine learning or whatever, wherever we think we can go and offer rare and unique value. In fact, we actually had one guest mentor on the show who said he spent many weekends and late nights developing financial models in Excel for to help better decision making. And it wasn't easy at the time, but now he's a recognized influencer when it comes to financial modeling. And the way to get there, it's something called deliberate practice. And the way to know if you're deliberately practicing something is if you're doing things that we know how to do well, it's generally very enjoyable. But to get to that stage, it's actually you need to do deliberate practice, which is exactly the opposite. It is you're probably straining yourself, you're carrying on because you've got a purpose behind it, but it's not necessarily enjoyable. It's not necessarily that you're in flow. So the whole point here is you've got to push past that natural inclination to only do what we're good at. A lot of us are brought up through the audit route where we're doing reconciliations. We're looking at last year's audit file. 
fairly easy to do stuff. If we're not going to push ourselves outside of that and put ourselves into a state of mental discomfort, we're not really stretching ourselves. And then once we are stretching ourselves, it's trying to seek feedback. And again, we had another episode on this where we shared a very good model on how to assess feedback from people. Um, And another point, which is a bit of a rather obvious one, but I think we tend to sometimes forget when it comes to career capital, is how many of us actually track the time we spend on things? How many of us know how many hours we spent on email last week, sending out reports, having conversations with stakeholders? How much time do we spend investing on ourselves, developing new skills, investing in our career capital? In actual fact, how many of us even plan deliberate time to do all of those things in our diaries? Uh, on this show, we've often talked about time boxing and the idea of what gets measured gets managed. It's an obvious statement, but if you think about it as two sides of a coin, we need to maximize the focus on the one side of what matters to building our career capital. And then the other side, we need to minimize the distraction of things that happen in accounting and finance that won't help us develop our career capital. And then the final point I take from the book is really to be patient. There's a really great example of the comedian Steve Martin who revealed an important tip for developing our career capital when he said how he learned to play the banjo. He said, I thought if I stay with it, then one day I will have been playing it for 40 years. And anyone who sticks with playing something for 40 years will be pretty good at it. That's a phenomenal display of patience, 40 years. And it's a really great way of setting yourselves up for enduring the hard work and the frustrating outcomes that arrive from being a mediocre banjo player head. But if we're going to want to become rare and valuable as finance professionals, as leaders, as accountants, it's going to take time. So we need patience. We need tolerance for working on things that are hard. Making progress might be slow over that period of years. It's not going to be weeks or months. In fact, if we look at our first book, The Finance Mentor's Ledger, that we produced, Strength in Numbers produced, the combined experience of our 79 guests on our first 100 episodes comes to over 2,000 years. You could say that goes all the way back to when we were using abacuses and clay tablets as the main tools of our profession. And that's why we bring guest mentors on the show, to help understand maybe any sort of shortcuts, any sort of trodden paths already, to gain that career capital faster, but also their hard-won lessons and the things that they might have done differently so we can maybe avoid some of their missteps and also the things that worked out well for them and actually help us understand those reference points I talked about earlier about what did A did that B didn't do to get us a sense on a bit more around the how and the what we can be doing. And we also share how to connect with them as well at the end of the, the episode so you can go and develop your who and your network on that regard too. So very much Strength in Numbers is about building your, your career capital. So look, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It was a bit longer than usual. But if you did, please remember to share it with your colleagues and friends. You can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube and Spotify. And as always, really appreciate investing your time with us today. So until next time, take care of yourselves and let's keep on building our Strength in the Numbers. <laughs>